Scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. If you'd like to use the Bible that's in the bench in front of you, it's page 1016. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Thank God I am not someone who drives around Los Angeles in my fancy car, drinking mineral water from a green bottle, and eating lunch with shallow people in fern bars. Thank you, Lord, for sparing me the indignity of having any apparel that might associate me with the Dallas Cowboys. And I thank you, Lord, for not making me a Wall Street banker. Thank you that I don't sink my fat and greedy face into the corporate trough of selfish ambition. It would be terrible to be without compassion for the little people, Lord, so I thank you for that mercy. Lord, thank you for making me someone who can appreciate good music. I'm so glad I don't listen to the cringe-worthy sentimental pap that gurgles up from the soulless factories of popular culture. God, thank you that I am one of the very few people who know how to use Facebook in the right way. <laughs> thank you that all my opinions are righteous. Thank you that I am not one of those people who seem incapable of intelligent thought. How foolish they sound when they spout their myopic bile about climate change or immigration or whose lives matter. Thank you, God, for not making me like those people. And thank you for filling my heart with all these gratitudes. I'm so glad I'm not one of those people who complain all the time. <laughs> Those people are the worst. Even if we adorn ourselves in the language of gratitude, God takes no pleasure in our boasting. We have this on good authority. God takes no pleasure in our ability to congratulate ourselves. Nothing good comes from saying, thank God I am not like them. Whenever we draw a line, we should expect to find Jesus on the other side of that line. In fact, this is one of the most infuriating, uncomfortable things about Jesus. Jesus does not keep very good company. 
He spends time with all the wrong people. Jesus simply refuses to stay on our side of the line. I mean, it would be one thing if Jesus associated himself with troublemakers who made other people uncomfortable. I'm entirely in favor of other people being uncomfortable. May all racists be seized with discomfort. May all paragons of patriarchy wear crowns of nervous perspiration on their brows. May those who defile the sacred earth or blame a victim for her suffering tremble with discomfort. I'm okay with their discomfort. They deserve it. I mean, thank God I'm not like them. And that is where I start sounding like the Pharisee. To the extent that I categorically separate myself from other people, I separate myself from God. Because God does not recognize any category of exclusion. Or do you think God has abandoned those on death row? Do you think God has fled from those who are plotting harm? Whether I want to hear it or not, Jesus stands with those beyond the line that I've drawn, saying, insisting, this is your brother. This is your sister. Jesus is unrelenting in this. The Spirit of Christ insists that I am connected to all people in a relationship that I cannot sever. Nothing good comes from saying, thank God I am not like them. What comes is violence. Thank God I'm not like them is a way of associating God with people who are like us. We are proclaiming ourselves to be God's favored. God is on our side of the line, and if God is on our side, then it's a small step to say that those who disagree with us are in fact rebelling against God. I'm sure I don't need to remind you what happens in a holy war. Those labeled as infidels don't fare very well. Lately, we've seen how those on the wrong side of the line get shot by police. They get shot in nightclubs. They're killed by a sniper in Dallas. I just heard this morning that at least three more police officers are dead in Baton Rouge. They're killed by bombs in airports. They're run over on promenades and left to die of dehydration in the desert. When we divide ourselves from one another, we make room for violence. Even if we would never think of using violence ourselves, we can contribute to a framework in which violence becomes more possible. When we push people beyond the edge of God's light, we are creating a momentum toward violence. I started writing all this on Friday. Then on Friday afternoon, as I drove home from the office, I heard about the attempted coup in Turkey. At that point, the situation was unclear. Would the military take over? Would the president stay in power? On the radio, I heard a journalist say, we have heard tonight about the military firing on people in Istanbul who were out on the streets. What do you make of these reports 
And has anything like that happened in past coups in Turkey? The other person spoke with a Turkish accent. He replied, if that's indeed true, that would be very unfortunate. There is no history of the Turkish military firing at its own people, even during coup times in the past. Decades ago, that is, when the military carried out coups, it never fired on the people. The fact that the military is firing at its own people and the fact that people are firing at the military is very unusual because this is a conscript-based military, meaning everybody participates in it. So it's as if people are firing at people in the country. It's as if people are firing at people in the country. I thought this was so remarkable that I went up and looked up the transcript online to make sure that that's really what I heard. It's a direct quote. It's as if people were firing on people. So much hinges on those two words, as if. On one level, those words are completely unnecessary. Whether it's Turkey or France or Baton Rouge, when the shooting starts, it's always people firing on people. That's the simple truth. But shooting another person is so unthinkable. To kill a human being is beyond our comprehension. It's not okay to kill somebody that you recognize as a brother or sister. And so we have to dehumanize them before we can shoot them. We have to delegitimize them as people. On Friday, the man with the Turkish accent wanted us to know that people in the Turkish military are a cross-section of the general population. They have every reason to see each other as fully human, like themselves. If the Turkish military and the Turkish civilians are shooting at one another, it's as if people are shooting at people. As if. Those two words reveal how our mind balks at what it means to kill each other. First, we have to create the proper distance. We have to push people beyond the edge of being people to a place where violence can appear legitimate. To say, thank God I am not like them, that's a way of creating that distance. Even if we would never think of using violence ourselves, we can contribute to a framework in which violence is more possible. Friends, I am tired of coming to church each Sunday and wondering how many candles I should light. The world needs to change, and that means we need to change. The fight is in our hearts. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. When we create categories that separate us from other people, we have already lost that battle. In fact, we're fighting the wrong fight. The fight that matters is learning to see each other. It's learning to see God in each other. It's learning to listen for God's voice in someone who makes you uncomfortable. 
God takes no pleasure in our ability to congratulate ourselves. Instead, our call is to humility. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Are there seeds of violence sown in your perception of other people? Can you see the light of Christ beyond the categories of exclusion you may have established in your own mind? What is the change that we need to make? 